You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everyone. I am Martina Cunha, and you're listening to Backstage Talk. Hello and welcome today. I am really excited about this interview. Um, I met Julie through, well, I didn't met her actually. I just heard her and I listened to her comments on a group of Broadway geeks over at Clubhouse. Today I have here with me Julie Garnier. So hey, Julie, how are you? Hi, Martina. I'm fine. How are you? Everything is good. Everything is good. Good. Um, thanks for having me no thank you for being here like it's it's amazing how for me it's amazing how social media can unite people across the world and across countries so it's so awesome to have you over uh i couldn't agree with you more thanks so much so julie i'll let you introduce yourself um tell us a bit about you about what you've done in the industry about what what you Yeah, your your specialties in the entertainment industry. Oh gosh, um, well I'm the, the I think the uh, the keyword in 2021 these days is uh, multi hyphenate. Everyone's talking about being a multi hyphenate, and I've been a multi hyphenate for a really long time. So um, I am primarily a singer, an actor, um, a, a writer. Uh, I've written two pilots and I am currently uh, about to publish a new book uh, with a publishing company called Roman and Littlefield. We're publishing next year with my co I have a co-author for that book. Um, so that's my first book. I'm very excited about it. Um, I'm a recording artist. I'm a producer. I'm also a technical producer. So I produce uh, uh, events online virtually. Uh, I'm also a director. I've directed shows. I have written plays. Um, what else can I tell you? I, uh, I'm a chocolatier. I have my own chocolate company. <laughs> that, that, that's real. Like for real. Yeah, it's oh for real. Oh my God, that's I have, awesome. I have a website. I have a website with that I sell my chocolate products on there. Uh, I make them myself. Uh, I have a team now. I have a team of, of employees that, you know, I've employed through the pandemic to help um, 
with, uh, you know, with them getting jobs because they didn't have jobs before. Actors that were out of work are now working for me, for my chocolate company. Um, so did that in the oh, pandemic. That's amazing. Yeah. So basically, I'm, I'm a performer first. Uh, then I have my, my production company uh, for my virtual events. It's called Broken Wishbone Media. And then I have my chocolate company, which is uh, Pretty Please with Sugar. And then I'm also a writer. Oh my so, God. you have a lot of hats. <laughs> a lot. I'm really, truly a multi-hyphenate. <laughs> that's so, that's so awesome. And I make a living in all of those things. They all bring, oh, I also am a teacher. I've been teaching voice for the last 16 years. So I'm also a voice teacher. And, and uh, actually, I started doing it virtually a number of years ago because I was on tour and I couldn't do it in my studio in Los Angeles anymore. So I started teaching um on zoom a few years ago before zoom became such a popular thing i was doing it um i was using zoom you know to teach voice so that's another thing that i do because i'm very passionate about the science of voice mm -hmm. and the production of sound and the pedagogy pedagogy of it so i've been studying voice um for over 30 years um and and how how humans uh, make sound and how people sing and how the vocal cords come together to create those sounds. So, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm starstruck. You do a lot of stuff. I love it. Thanks. I really love it. So you are a performer first, right? I am, yes. How did you start in theater and in musical theater? Wow. Well, well my, my parents say that I was singing before I was speaking. I started singing at a very young age, three or four years old. I'm not quite sure. My earliest memory of music was my father putting me on the floor uh, of our rug, our area rug in our family room and playing a reel-to-reel. -reel. I know you're probably too young to know what a reel-to-reel -reel is, but a reel-to-reel -reel recording of Richard Kiley singing um, Man of La Mancha singing impossible dream that was the first that's the first memory of music that i have is richard kiley singing um man of la mancha and um i've been singing ever since i just thought it was the most brilliant recording um and loved it so much and um began singing you know whenever a neighbor would come over to see my parents i would you know hop up on top of the table at four years old and start singing you know Donnie and Marie songs or the Bee Gees, like anything I could think of that I could sing, I would sing for them. Um, my first play was in the first grade. I went to Catholic school and my first play was, um, we were doing the passion play and they, the, the role of Mary, the mother of Jesus was, um, was a, a role that had a, a solo song the only role that had a solo song and so a lot of the girls in my first grade class auditioned and I got the part so I got to sing the big solo song in in our play and I've been doing theater ever since then <laughs> so, I love it and going back to to the man of La Mancha um full circle because you have it on you've done it I love it <laughs> Yeah, it was a dream role to get to play Aldonza. And um, 
I, I did. I got to do it uh, in Summerstock uh, a few years ago at PCPA Theater Fest, which is a theater company here in California. They have an outdoor theater that seats, I think, about 2,000 people, maybe 1,500 people, but it's outdoors. So the beauty of that was that I got to do Man of La Mancha under the stars every night. It was magical. It was one of my career highlights, truly. And I got to play opposite um, the, the man who played Don Quixote. His name was David Studwell, who actually just recently, right before the pandemic hit, was um, in the national tour of the band's visit. Mm. He's a very accomplished actor, and um, he was my Don Quixote. And, uh, you know, just to have him singing Impossible Dream to me every night under the stars was I mean, I'm getting a little bit like, you know, teary eyed just thinking about it because it was such a magical experience. And I'm still very close friends with David. We talk all the time. And it's just, it's one of the, I'll never forget getting to experience that under the stars. It was, it was magic. magic. Yeah. It was magic. Yeah. So yeah, to, to have that song, Impossible Dream, be the first song I remember hearing in my life. And then years later to get to do it, at this beautiful theater company with this wonderful man under the stars was just, you know, heaven. Perfect. I couldn't have asked for a better experience. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I that That is one of the best memories you can have. And I mean, it, it's just like you just said, it's magical. It's taking out of a fairy tale. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So before the pandemic hit, you were in the Come From Away tour, right? In the Broadway I tour. was. Yes. Uh huh. For I was a I was a, an original cast member of the first national tour. Talk to us a little bit about the the touring experience. <laughs> um, touring is amazing. Touring is wonderful, and especially touring with a show like Come From Away, which you know the the whole premise of the show is about generosity and kindness and and um, thinking of others and giving. Um, so to to you know, our world was a little bit broken at that time, um, especially here in the United States. There was a lot of turmoil. There was a lot of animosity. There was, it was hard. And so to, to be living in a, a state, uh, in a country, uh, in this state, and then to get to tour the country and say, no, wait, there's always kindness. You can always go back to, to good, um, was so special. It was so special. Um, touring is interesting. You know, I'm, um, I'm, I, I'm a single person, so it wasn't as challenging for me as some other people who actually brought their whole families. We had children on the tour with us. I brought my dog. Um, you know, like our musical director, who was brilliant, um, uh, Cynthia Westfall, she brought her whole family. And her two sons were, you know, they turned teenagers Uh, I believe they were became teenagers while on tour. They each turned 13, like thinks like one of them was 13 already. Anyway, they were around that age. And so they were homeschooling while on tour. So they were still doing school while we were, you know, doing shows. And um, it's just an amazing experience getting to, you know, fly around the country, seeing different communities, seeing different uh, cities um, and experiencing the people in those cities And getting to, you know, provide this message of love and understanding and, and care um, throughout the country. It was, and, and Canada too, we, we, we toured through Canada as well. Again, another magical experience. It was a really, really beautiful time. I love it. And uh, 
it's it's I've never toured. <laughs> like I mean, the the longest run I've had um, with concerts, with music concerts, has been like five days in a row. Um, in each each performance in a different city, uh, but I mean, it must be so crazy and such a wild ride being on tour. It really is. And depending on, you know, what city you were in would depend on how long you would stay. Um, we, when we were in Los Angeles, we were here for six weeks. Um, you know, the other cities, we were only there for a week. So it just depended on, you know, what the marketing team of the mm -hmm. show thought that, you know, could sustain. But literally, I would say in, a, in about 99.5% of the cities that we went to, we sold out almost instantly. Um, the show was so popular and got such great reviews that it was, you know, as soon as we would open in a city, we would be sold out. People would be able to, you have to see it. You have to see Come From Away. And so we were sold out pretty much across the board. And that was really special too, to be in a show that successful and that um, accepted by almost every city in, you know, that we went to. So yeah, touring is a lot of fun, but you know, I've also been on tours where we did a different city every night. I actually was the principal female vocalist on a tour called Cirque Musica. Um, and it was a circus tour. So we, it was, um, two vocalists and circus performers, and we would tour to different cities and perform with the symphony orchestras in that city. So like we did the, 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 uh, San Diego Philharmonic or we would do the Chicago Philharmonic or the Dallas Pops so we would fly into Dallas for a night and we would do one show and the circus performers would be performing on stage in front of the symphony orchestra so the orchestra would be on stage the circus performers would be in front of them doing whatever the circus performer does right the russian bar or the silks or you know whatever they would do and then i would be off to the side or our other male our male singer usually a, a singer named scott coulter would be off to the side and we would sing Christmas carols because it was mostly that that tour in particular was a Christmas themed a holiday themed show so we would sing you know holiday themed songs off to the side as these circus performers were performing and the symphony orchestra was playing for us so that was a magical tour as well but again it was a different city every night similar yeah. to what you experienced yeah I love it I mean that that is just you're a bag of tricks <laughs> like you've done a lot of things um you've also done other uh, musicals like cats chess legally blonde hair um what's been your overall experience with musical theater oh just nothing but positivity really like i i've i've been very very lucky um you know i i feel as though you know i do feel as though when opportunities have presented themselves, a lot of time I show up and, uh, and I'm able to, to help. Um, but I do feel as though I've been very, very lucky to get to have the experiences that I have had in my career. I mean, something like getting to do the tour of cats. We were the first tour of the show to go out. We were the only production, the only, you know, Broadway production of cats when, when the Broadway company, closed when the original broadway company closed we were the tour that went out after 
Broadway closed. Mm -hmm. So it was very special to, to get to do the original choreography and to use the Broadway set. They actually took apart the Broadway set and they loaded it onto trucks for us. So what they had been using on Broadway, we got to use on the, on the road. Um, and you know, it was, it was also, again, a magical experience to get to bring cats to various cities when it was no longer being seen on Broadway. Um, you know, something like Legally Blonde, uh, I spent three years developing the show. So I got to do all the readings and I got to help make the show better for the writers and for the producers. And that is that is really my number one passion in musical theater. So when, when I get to do the thing that I'm the most passionate about, which is developing new musical theater, that's just... You know, I really, there's something special about getting to be the first person to sing a song ever. That someone's just written a song and you get to sing it and no one's ever heard it before, including yourself. Um, you know, that's just, that to me is the most exciting thing about what I've done in my career. And it's still my biggest passion is getting to create a character that no one's ever seen or heard from before. Um and I've been very lucky to get to do it for some incredible pieces of theater, like Legally Blonde, like Heather's The Musical, like so many other shows. That it's you know I've just been very very lucky to get to to get to delve into that kind of work. I'm amazed. Um, I mean, musical theater development. I think it's really hard, and it takes a lot of time. And as you say, just sitting down with the composers, the lyricists, um, the writers, and just try things and build that up and build the whole show from the ground up. It must be it's, wow. It is very, it is very, very difficult. And it's, you know, it's also, you know, you're the actor. You, you, you can't say things like, you know, this is how I would write it. You know, like that's not our job. <laughs> our job is to take what's been written and make it better for them make them let them hear it and let them understand or see oh that works or oh that doesn't work in the trajectory of that character's journey that's our job to make to help the the creators understand what they've written because they just write it and they put it on paper but when actual humans get to say the words that's when they can say oh that that totally works. That that's exactly in alignment with what we were trying to say for this show. Or oh gosh, we need to rewrite that second verse because it doesn't move the story forward. You know things like that. It, that's so exciting to me. Um, but then what a lot of people don't fully understand or appreciate is how long it takes sometimes for a show to get developed. Legally Blonde took I think five or six years. Um, you know, maybe, maybe less, I think maybe four or five years, but I was, a, I was a part of the first three years of that process. Mm -hmm. I was a part of the process up until the point where they took it out of town and then they recast everybody and started from scratch because they needed things like massively great dancers. You know, you had someone like Jerry Mitchell, who was, you know, directing that project. He, he is a choreographer first. And, but this is like, you know, his, he was really dipping his toe into directing a big project and he wanted great, great dancers. And as much as I can say, I do move, I'm not the kind of dancer that Jerry Mitchell wanted. So obviously needed to be replaced, but I spent three years developing characters where I didn't need to dance because they were readings, you know? So, or, you know, something where you hear about a show with something like, um, next to normal, which I've never done. It's a dream 
you know, for me to do me that too. show at some point. Mine too. Uh, it's such a beautifully written show. But that show took, I think, 11 or 14 years, something like that. I can't, I can't pinpoint exactly how long it took, but it was in the double digits of how long it took to develop that show. People don't fully realize or appreciate that it, it takes in upwards of four to sometimes 14, 16 years to develop a musical before you even get a chance to see it um, out of town or on Broadway. And, and so a lot of times you'll age out you'll age out of the role that you created. I mean, the perfect example for me was with Heathers. I was the very first Martha Dump Truck, and I did readings of that show for three years, both in Los Angeles when we were starting to develop it, and we did readings in New York as well, and we did recordings in New York of the demos of the, sh of the show. I'm on all the demos, but when it came to actually doing the show off-Broadway, I'd already aged out. It was too late for me to, to play that part, and they ended up casting, I think, a... 19 or 20 year old girl, you know, when I was in my thirties, you know, doing those readings. So there, there's, there was heartbreak to developing a show because you put every ounce of you, you into developing a character that no one's ever seen before. And then when it actually comes to having to do it on Broadway or, you know, out of town in an out of town tryout, you know, a lot of times you don't get to do it because you've either aged out or the, the specifications for that character have changed and um, you can't perform the certain specifications that you need to perform, you know, or maybe you're too skinny or too short. You know, there's, there's so many different things, so many different factors that go into um, developing a character when you can just stand in front of a music stand and deliver the lines or deliver the song. And then when you actually need to do it in front of an audience, a real audience, you might not fall into what they actually need for that character. Yeah. I, I mean, talk to us about the story of the song they wrote for you and Heather's. Oh, Kindergarten Boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was so, oh my gosh. I, I just, I'll never forget that first rehearsal where, um, where Larry O'Keefe uh, brought me into a room and played the song for me. And he said, this is the song we wrote for you. And, oh, I mean, Kindergarten Boyfriend is such a special piece. It's such a beautiful song. And uh, actually, the lyrics that I originally sang are not the lyrics I think that people sing now. I think we made some changes throughout the three years that I was singing that song. But, um, gosh, it's a special song. It, it just... I immediately took to it and I knew that, and I, you know, also because I'd worked with Larry on Legally Blonde, he knew my voice and he knew who I was as an actor. And so when he wrote the song, he wrote it with me in mind and he, he, you know, he'll, he'll tell you this too. He kind of tailored it to my strengths, to, to who I am as a vocalist and as an actor. Um, so it was a great gift. I mean, when, when a, a composer is, as prolific as Larry, I mean, Larry O'Keefe wrote Bad Boy. Come on. Like, like when you get the guy who wrote Bad Boy and Legally Blonde and Sarah Plain and Tall to write a song for you, uh, for Heather's the musical, it's just, it's, it's an unspeakably yeah. incredible, it's a gift. It's a gift, you know? And it's also something that no one could ever take away from me. Yes, I wasn't the original Martha Dump Truck off Broadway, but you know, who else gets to say that Larry O'Keefe wrote Kindergarten Boyfriend for you, you know? No one <laughs> else. Just, 
It's pretty special. Yeah. It's pretty special. <laughs> and you worked in Bad Boy too. I worked on Bad Boy in the New Orleans production, the original uh, Southern production. There was a um, uh, a company. There's a company in New Orleans called Southern Repertory Theater. So uh, I got to do that show there. It was actually the first show I did after I left Cats. I got to do uh, Bad Boy, and then <laughs> when I moved to New York after doing that show, when I went back to New York. Um, Larry O'Keefe asked me to be a part of um, some a series of readings of Bat Boy. They were rewriting the script and some songs for the London production, and they needed a cast to read through the new stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, they actually asked the entire original cast. I think there was only one person who could not be involved because she was doing another, she was doing a television show. And so she could, she didn't, she had to shoot during the day and she couldn't do the readings. So they asked me to be involved since this other actress could not be involved, but it was all the original players. It was Caitlin Hopkins and Devin May and Doug Storm and Jim Price and Trent Armand Kendall. It, it was, uh, it was all the original cast members. Uh, Carrie Butler was involved. How I met Carrie originally. All the original cast of Bat Boy minus one person, and then they had a few other people come in. Uh, me and uh, Miguel Cervantes, who's mm -hmm. now who was most recently playing Hamilton in in Hamilton on Broadway and in Chicago. He did it in Chicago, and now before the pandemic was doing it on Broadway. Um, so it was really like. People starting out in their careers in New York, plus the people who originally did Bat Boy at the Union Square Theater, um, we did all the readings for the London production just so that the London producers could hear the new material. And the, the, the script that we developed as a, as a cast in New York ended up going to London and they did it in London. It was a huge hit in London. So we were all very proud to have been a small part of making that script work for the creators so they could take it to London and have it have it be produced in London. That's wonderful. It's what it's a wonderful story. Um in a quick nutshell, what is the best and the worst of being a musical theater performer for you? <laughs> um the best for me is the people. I love the people I get to work with. Um And, and I'm not just talking about the celebrities. I'm talking about everybody, everybody from the dressers and the the people who run the turntable, um, you know, the lighting people, everybody involved. I, I love working with the people. It, it's important to me. And, and I love building relationships with everybody that I get to work with. The worst part for me, honestly, is the downtime. The time where I don't get to be creative, the time where I'm not doing a show, the time where I'm not singing for a purpose. Um, and so, you know, especially during the pandemic, I know it's been very hard, not just for me, but for other performers who, you know, we don't have shows right now. Um, so it's been it's been an interesting challenge to try to keep up that creativity um, in a time where there aren't auditions, where there aren't, you know, I even consider auditions to be fun now because I get to be a, an actor on a Tuesday. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I get to sing songs that I normally wouldn't get to sing. And that might be my only chance to perform that week if I'm not in a show. So I embrace auditions. I embrace the chance to get to delve into material that I wouldn't normally get a chance to delve into. Even if I'm not booking the job, it doesn't matter. I get to play 
Madame Tenardier on a Thursday afternoon. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it's 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 um it's a gift to get to to get to be an actor for for an afternoon. Um, so it's hard when I don't get to be when I don't have something that I'm working on. Um, that is the that's the hardest part I think, and I think a lot of people don't quite a lot of you know, what I call muggles, people who are not in the entertainment business, um, they don't quite understand what it's like to to be constantly unemployed, to be constantly searching for a job, to be constantly auditioning, which means you're constantly going to job interviews. I mean, I can't even imagine what people who don't do this business, how they wrap their heads around the fact that we're possibly doing a job interview two, three, four times a week, where most people, they... They do a job interview, they get a job, they sit in that job 10, 20 years, some of them, some five years, and then they switch over to another job. For us, we're doing job interviews three, four times a week. And so that's, you know, that the downtime of when you're not getting to be creative, that's the hardest part. And in that order of ideas, how have you stayed creative during the pandemic? Because it's been a year since COVID hit. And we are starting to be to reactivate the industry, but we are far still. Yeah, I do. I do think we do have a ways to go. Um, I I don't know why I had the foresight when the pandemic hit. I instantly knew my my agent was still sending me auditions, and so was my manager. And they said, "Oh, you know, theater will be back in April or June. Like, just you know, keep self taping, and you know, when things come back." And, and I just I don't know why I immediately thought something's not right here. It's going to be a while. Mm -hmm. So, I actually reached out to a friend of mine who works with YouTube. And I asked her if she could teach me everything that I could learn about um, creating my own content and um, producing events online and what pieces of software I needed to learn. Um, and then I took uh, some of my savings and also some of the stimulus check we were given by the government here in the United States. And I, I invested in really high quality equipment. I bought a new computer. I bought a brand new microphone. I bought a vocal booth. I bought, I bought a lot of stuff and I spent a lot of money, but I believe that they were good investments because I immediately reached out to all of my composer friends, people that I had been doing readings with over the many years. And I said, listen, I, I'm available to do demos for you. If you have anything that you're writing that you want me to record, these are the, these are the things that I have. This is the computer that I use. This is the software that I'm using. This is my microphone setup. This is my vocal booth setup. And I immediately started getting work as a demo singer. And then I immediately started getting work as a virtual online event pro uh, producer. And so I've been, you know, through my media company, I have been doing um, a lot of talk shows on YouTube, on Facebook, um, and I've been producing concerts for the Actors Fund. I've been producing concerts for theater company, theater companies like the Musical Theater Guild here in Los Angeles. And um, I've been working consistently in a creative way since day one of the pandemic mm -hmm. because I chose to, to learn how to pivot, how to adapt, yeah. and how to do other things that are creative. Uh, I've also since gotten a record deal during the pandemic. So I've been recording, 
my first album. Uh, we released a single in November. Again, because I have the professional set up at home, I can record at home. Yeah. And I know a lot of other musicians have done the same thing. So I would contact people like Eleanor Norton, who's my cellist, or Todd Reynolds, who's my violin player, um, or Matt Fields, who's my bass player, um, who lives in New Zealand now, who's you know staying in, during the pandemic in New Zealand, and contacting them and saying, hey, can you lay down a track for me? Here's, here's some music that an arranger has written for us. Can you lay down this track? And then I would record the vocal to that track, send it off to my record label in Nashville and they will mix and master it and create a song from that. So we recorded our first single and, and released it in November of last year. We have two more coming out that we're working on right now. Um, one specifically that I'm working with, um, this is kind of an exclusive, but I'm working on it with Stephen Schwartz. It's a brand new song um, with Stephen Schwartz. And we're very, very excited. He's extremely busy because he's working on the Wicked movie. He's working on a bunch of other projects. But the moment I brought this idea to him he was like a hundred percent we're doing this he was so excited and so it's really thrilling to us that you know later this year i think or in the early summer months hopefully crossing our fingers that we can get everything done but in the early summer months we'll be releasing um this new song um and we're we're very very thrilled about it so that's how i'm keeping creative you know there's also i get like i said this I'm also, I've become a chocolatier and I've created this chocolate company and I'm expressing myself through my food. Um, and that was created also last November, right after the, right after the single was released, I wanted something different to do. I've been doing music and I've been doing online producing and that kind of stuff. And I was like, I want to do something with my hands. I want to do something where I'm making stuff, right? I'm making stuff virtually and I'm making music, but it's not something that someone can actually pick up or enjoy physically. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I wanted to start creating um, something that could be physically enjoyed by friends and family. So I started to create my hot chocolate bombs as we call them. And, um, and, and so I've been making hot cocoa bombs since November. And, um, I think a lot of people have been making them, but mine are very, very different. The aesthetic of them, the look of them is different and the quality of the ingredients that I use are extremely high. So that means that my cocoa bombs are a little bit pricier than other ones, but you're getting what you pay for. You're, you're getting a very high quality guitar chocolate. You're getting Ghirardelli hot cocoa. You're getting sprinkles from sprinkle pop and from sweet tooth fairy. You're not getting like, you know, kind of, you know, subpar ingredients or candy melts or anything that's just not gonna, you know, really bring quality to your cup of cocoa. So um, we're very proud of the product and um, people really, really love it. <laughs> so, so we've been very busy with the chocolate as well. So, so that's one keeping creative. And then on top of all of that, right? Um, is the book that I've been working on for the last three years. It's called The Stage Actor's Handbook, and it delves into um, protocols, etiquette, tradition, and superstitions of the theater professional. And there's no book that's ever been written like this before. And uh, my co-author, actor uh, Michael Kostroff, who you, you might know from his five seasons on The Wire, or most recently on HBO's um, The Plot Against America. Um, he's, he's a prolific actor. He's, he's, uh, been seen regularly on 
Law and Order, SVU, and and many other television shows. Um, he's an incredible character actor, but he's also um, very uh, dedicated to the traditions and the respect of the theater professional and what we what we have as as our legend and as our tradition. And so he and I got together about three years ago and started writing this book. And a um, couple couple weeks ago, we signed a deal with a, a very, very um, re- highly respected publisher, Roman and Littlefield, and they're going to be publishing uh, the Stage Actors Handbook in April, uh, I think April or May of 2022, and we're very excited about it. We have incredible contributors to the book, um, you know, theater legends who are adding to what we've already written and it's going to be a very special handbook that hopefully will be passed on from generation to generation of future theater professionals we we want to keep our legacy alive as theater professionals and i think that this book which has nothing like this has ever been published before which is why i think our publisher is so excited about it i think it's going to um be passed on from generations to generations of of theater actors You're unstoppable. I wish that listeners could see how many times my jaw dropped since you started telling me everything you're you're doing and everything you've done <laughs> during the pandemic. <laughs> I've been staying creative. Yeah. I did not want to I did not want to sit idly by and I knew that if this was going to be, you know, a two or three year process um of of healing our country um physically, that I didn't want to be um, wasting any of this time, yeah. that I really wanted to accomplish things during this time. And and everyone for many, many years, people have been saying, you need to create your own stuff. And I have not had the time to do it because I've been on tour or I've been doing shows or I've been teaching both at the university level or privately in my own vocal studio. And I've never really had the time. And when the pandemic hit, I thought, well, gosh, there's no excuse now, is there? Like, you've got you've to make this time worth it. You've got to take advantage of this downtime where I don't have to audition for anything. And I don't have to, you know, go to the gym every day because I can't go to the gym every day, right? Like, I can't. There are so many things that are time-consuming, you know, when you're living in Los Angeles and you have to go to an audition, you do have to block out specific amount of time because there's traffic there's getting your face done and getting your hair did and you know picking the right outfit and learning your sides and coaching with a coach and learning the new songs or whatever it is you have to do that all takes so much time and then you've got to get in your car and it takes an hour to get to wherever you're going and then you've got to wait and then you've got to audition and then another hour to get back home you're you're investing in what could possibly be six to eight to 10 hours of time just for a single audition. And when you have multiple auditions in a week, that's a lot of time. And when you book a job, it takes time for you to learn your material, to rehearse the material, to be on set or be in a rehearsal for a musical theater process. That all takes time. And then it also is mentally taxing, right? So you've got to have your downtime. You've got to sleep. You've got to eat. You've got to shower. You've got to walk your dog. You've got life things that have to happen. And then when you're teaching on top of that, when do you find time to to create your own content? You know what I'm saying? Like, 
there's no time to create a web series. I, you know, like there's only 24 hours in a day and you've got to sleep. So, um, you've got to maintain your own personal health on top of that. So when the pandemic hit, I knew I, I had I no longer had excuses to make things happen. And so I, I made a list of things that I really wanted to, to create of my own. Um, you know, I'd, I'd had ideas for doing two different pilots. So I started writing scripts because I knew this was the time to write. This was the time to create stuff. I, I'd only ever had, you can't have something happen when it's just in your head. You know, you've got to put it on paper. You've got to pitch it to people. You've got to learn how to use the software. You've got to buy the hardware to make it happen. And uh, I knew the pandemic would be the time to do it. And so that's why the moment it happened, I thought this might, this might be three months like people are saying, or it might be three years. We don't know. But if I don't get the start, the ball rolling, if I don't start the ball rolling now, it's never going to happen. I'm going to end up lying in bed all day long watching Netflix. And as appealing as that is, <laughs> I didn't want to look back a, a year later and, and regret the time that I'd wasted. That's so. amazing. And I love that you've, you've kept yourself busy. Wow. I, I, I'm, I, You just said a lot of stuff. It's amazing. Um, I'm really excited about your book. I'm really excited about your album. Where can people find more about you, your website, or book a, cl a private class with you right now? Absolutely. So if you want to... Um study voice with me I'm doing it virtually so I've got students now all over the world and I'm very happy to uh, to teach voice to you if you if that's something you're interested in you can do that by going to my website which is www.juliegarnier.com Garnier is not spelled the French way it's spelled differently it's G-A-R-N-Y-E So that's how you spell Garnier. So you can go to juliegarnier.com and just email me directly from the website. I get every email coming directly to me. Um, if not, my assistant will send them to me. Um, and I'm happy to book a private coaching session with you, whether it be a technique, which is what my specialty is, or if you want to help, if you want help with building your repertoire or coaching a song for acting with musical theater, happy to do that too. Um, if you are interested in, uh, my cocoa bombs, you can go to that website, <laughs> which is pretty pleased with sugar.com. I do ship, uh, those cocoa bombs. I'm not shipping internationally just yet, unless you're willing to pay those postage prices. If you are, I'm happy to post to ship internationally, but, um, it is kind of pricey to ship them because they're a little bit heavy. They have, you know, but they keep and they, they, you know, we don't need ice packs or anything for those. So um, happy to ship if you're willing to pay the cost of the shipping. Um, as far as the book is concerned, uh, we don't have a website up just yet because we haven't published the book, but if you'd like to get more updates on the book, we do have an Instagram account. That Instagram is the stage actors handbook. That is the uh, handle. So you can just go to Instagram and follow us at the Stage Actors Handbook. And as we get things going with the book, we'll have updates on that Instagram handle. And we will also be publishing a website. So we'll announce when that website is published. And then on 
social media. I'm very active on social media, um, pretty much across the board, Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse, TikTok. My handle is just my first and last name push smushed together. It's Julie Garnier on Facebook. My handle is official Julie Garnier, sorry, official Julie Garnier. So you can find me on Facebook there. My other Facebook page is private for my family and friends. So I leave that one separate, uh, just, just so I have some privacy on my socials, but my public Facebook is official Julie Garnier. And then everything else is just Julie Garnier. You can follow me everywhere. And my DMs are open, so I'm very accessible. If you want to talk to me about vocal lessons or the book or any producing that I do um, for Broken Wishbone Media, you can just DM me or email me through my website. Or <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Julie, thank you so much um, for being here, for coming over, for sharing your incredible experience with us. I have one last surprise question for you. Oh, okay. Top five favorite musical theater shows. Oh, good question. Okay. Here we go. Number one is a tie because one of them is just my favorite show I could listen to this this cast recording or do this show I've done the show a number of times and I could do it over and over and over again and never get sick of it but the other show I've never done it's my dream to do the show but it's a sentimental show to me it just means so much to me and my favorite song in musical theater is in this show so my favorite shows are Les Miserables which I've done multiple times and it is absolutely one of the best shows I think ever written and then my My tie for number one is Sunday in the Park with George because the song Move On is probably my favorite song in musical theater ever. I just think it's the most perfect song Sondheim has ever written. Um, he might disagree, but I, I don't know what he feels about that song. I really don't, but I just think it's perfection. Um, number two favorite show, probably Sweeney Todd. I think it's so beautifully written. Uh, it's probably his best written show, like structurally, mm -hmm. I think. Number three, uh, probably Ragtime. I think Flaherty and Aarons are geniuses, but that show in particular, oh, I just, that opening sequence, that 10 minute opening sequence, I just, and then Back to Before, that song Back to Before is so beautiful. Uh, number four, probably The Secret Garden. Mm -hmm. It's just something beautiful about that score and that story and the way it was performed. I, I just, I love that show so much. <sighs> number five. Last one. <laughs> I don't know what number five. I mean, I have named five shows, so technically I've fulfilled my five. Number five. Um, gosh. I don't know, maybe a sentimental favorite might be uh, Man of La Mancha, maybe. Maybe Man of La Mancha. That or The Music Man. I love The Music Man. So if we want to like, pick a classic, like a traditional musical theater classic favorite, either La Mancha or Music Man would be in my top five. That's like seven. <laughs> I'm not answering that question. <laughs> no, but I love it. 
I love it. Julie, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Um, I wish you all the success on your um, upcoming projects. Um, and let's do this again sometime soon. Anytime you want, Martine. You're you're a wonderful interviewer, and I'm I'm just you know thankful that you asked me to do this. So, yeah, this is really fun. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of Backstage Talk. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Backstage Talk Podcast. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.